Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 70. Today we'll be talking with Mark Hunter. Mark is the author of his brand new book entitled High Profit Prospecting, Powerful Strategies to Find the Best Leads and Drive Breakthrough Sales Results. With an extensive background in sales and marketing for Fortune 100 companies, Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, left his corporate role in 1998 to show companies and salespeople how to maximize profits by prospecting more effectively. Mark travels more than 200 days per year speaking globally to corporations and associations. His power as a speaker has allowed him to share the stage with such experts as Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, Jill Conrad, Tony Robbins, and numerous others. Good morning, Mark. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm glad I could join you guys. It's fantastic to have you on the show today. Mark, you've been an industry leader in developing top sales performers around the world for some time now. What inspired you to create a book focused on prospecting? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I wrote the book Prospecting after I had written the book High Profit Selling, where I was really talking about how to maximize the price, how to sell without the discount. And it was very interesting. What I continued to do is I continued to build out that whole piece. How do we maximize the content? It really comes down to the prospect. If you start off with bad prospects, you're going to have a hard time closing. In fact, the example I love to use is I can't take a Walmart shopper and make them a Nordstrom customer. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But so many times what happens is we start off with the wrong prospect and we try to force fit them into being our customer, which force fits us to discount. Yeah, with every single one of them being a potential for a great sale, we just don't want to leave any of them behind, right? Well, you know, we want to make every sale, every sale, every sale. In fact, it's funny, just this morning, I wrote a short piece that said, hey, sometimes the most profitable sales you'll make are the ones you don't get. Whoa, yeah, but think about this. Sometimes we force fit a customer so much into our business model that we can never make a profit off of them ongoing. And I think for a lot of business owners, that's a challenge because you are, you're trying to grab every piece of business. But we have to be willing to say, hey, there are some customers that just don't fit. Don't bring them in. You know, Mark, this really resonates. When you're growing a business, when you start in the beginning, you're so focused on just those first revenues and you make some of your worst deals <laughs> because you're, you're sort of co- confusing revenue with profitability, right? It is the case. In fact, this is another story I love to share. I say, you know, just because the lead has a heartbeat does not make them a customer. I mean, I've got a dog. My dog has a heartbeat. Well, my dog is not buying anything from me, okay? But it is. We run into this challenge that a lot of times, especially new business owners, you know, you're out there trying to drum up business or you got a smaller business. And there are oftentimes customers who are just courteous, you know, prospects that are just courteous. Sure, let's talk, let's talk. But all they're doing is wasting your time. And your time is your most valuable asset. I want fewer leads that I can spend more time with. And that's totally counter to the whole philosophy of, oh, I need as many prospects, as many leads, as many as I can possibly get. No, you really don't. What you want is really great leads that you can close. That's what you're looking for. 
And we have this whole visual of that great funnel, and quantity will lead to that quality over time, and we will be able to stem it down. And, and you look at that giant funnel, and it's just a huge time sink, you know? I run into more salespeople, and this is what's so funny, because especially in smaller companies, you see this a lot. The salesperson says, oh, my boss, who happens to be the owner or the founder of the company, the top person, whatever you I got to have more leads. I got to have more leads. I got to have more leads. And they become so panic stricken over getting more leads that they're not really looking at what's the quality coming out the bottom. And you're right. You have this picture of this funnel and we have this big giant funnel scooping everybody in. What that becomes is that becomes a sewer pipe. Because then what I got is I got so many leads. And that's what this person was struggling with. This person was saying, how do I manage all these leads? I, I can't keep in contact with them. I said, well, you got to throw out half of them. And that's when he's like, whoa, if I do that, I'll get fired. And I said, yeah, but you know what? You're not going to close them. You're not going to close them. You know, Mark, some would say that marketing's job mm -hmm. is to generate high-quality leads and do part of the prospecting and make the job easier for sales. Yeah, and you know what? I'm actually a counterperson to that. I think if marketing is doing their job right, they're creating the awareness, they're educating the marketplace, and they're helping to create the need. But I really want sales to own the lead generation process. Now, here's why. If marketing is developing the leads, what they're going to say is, hey, I got all these leads, sales, you can't close. You're pathetic. You can't close. And then, of course, when sales doesn't meet their number, they say, well, marketing, you just don't give us good leads. You know, it becomes this everybody blaming everybody in a small company. It's like maybe one person doing marketing, one person doing sales, you know. And so what I say is if sales is responsible for lead generation, working with marketing, but they own it. Guess what? Those arguments go away. And I think what will happen is sales knows best how to manage their time. So they will understand the value of getting the right lead. Give me the right lead and I can nurture that and I can close it. Because this is the other thing. If I don't spend any time really vetting the process of my leads, really developing and really understanding what the need is, I'll never have a chance at getting full price, full profit. If I'm able to really nurture and develop and understand that lead and really understand what is their need, because my goal is really to help them see and achieve something that they didn't think was possible. That's the only way if I spend time with them, will I be able to get to really a higher price and a higher profit. And there's nothing wrong with high price and high profit. Nothing wrong with that at all. Because really what that's doing is that can only come if I'm creating more value. If I'm creating more value, the customer will pay for it. Because again, I'm not selling. I'm asking the customer to invest. And again, that's a little bit of a head spin sometimes for people. But I've got to put that thinking into my brain, and it changes how I prospect dramatically. What portion of the day do you think top salespeople are spending in prospecting? Well, the typical salesperson's not spending enough, because here's the other problem. What happens is salespeople, by nature, are going to take care of existing business. And if you think about it, if they're working for a company, it's all, we got to take care of this, got to take care of this, got to take care of this. So what happens is prospecting becomes second. Prospecting becomes the last activity. And we really have to create dedicated times of the day that we're going to be prospecting. we got to become focused. Because what I see happening, and this is an argument that comes up, says, well, <clears throat> we've got these three or four customers or 10 customers, wherever it is, and uh, we do a really great job with them. We'll have all the business we need. No, you really won't. Because they may get you some referrals and they may grow, but they're probably not going to grow enough. And oh, by the way, if they do, what you're going to wind up being is you're going to wind up having a business that is beholden to one or two customers. 
And then suddenly what happens is those one or two customers, they get a cold and you get pneumonia. I was with a company like that one time where they had one customer that was doing about 60% of their business. Big corporation, well, they, they had a downturn. Guess what? Their business slowed. And this small business really went out of business because they got pneumonia. They died. You have to make sure you have a diversified customer base out there. This is a real challenge, I think, for growing businesses. You, you latch onto somebody and you run with it. You can't make prospecting the activity you do when I don't have any other business. You really have to create a culture of prospecting. And it, it really is like, you know, most people take a shower every morning. You know, it's normally a pretty good thing to do, okay? You know, that's like prospecting. I got to be prospecting every day. And it sounds like it's a little bit of a misalignment then, right? So what's happening is if you're asking your people to measure the wrong thing, i.e. how many people you throw in through the top of the funnel or how much time you're spending prospecting for maybe the wrong people, you're measuring the wrong thing. And if you are incentivizing salespeople to continue to manage existing accounts, well, then you're also incentivizing the wrong thing. So how can we get the incentives right? Well, what you hit on is something really key. In fact, I'm a small business owner. I've got three employees. And and what's very interesting is I live and breathe my business. I live and breathe it. I mean, it's 24-7. And what's very interesting is that even though I may live and breathe it, my employees don't. Yeah, they're dedicated. They're dedicated to the business, but not in the same way I am. So I have to watch how I communicate what I communicate. Here's what I want to be measuring. And, and this is where I think a lot of smaller companies fall down. They want to justify every expenditure. So as a result, every expenditure is going to get measured. Every activity is going to get measured. Now, think about sales and think about prospecting and think about the small business owner in the way a venture capitalist thinks about investments. You know, a venture capitalist may make 10 investments and really only one is going to pay out. The other nine are going to fall away. That doesn't mean they don't care about the other nine, but they know that it's going to be one out of 10. And you have to realize in sales, there's going to be a lot of activities that, and I'm not saying go out and do stupid stuff, but what I'm saying is there are going to be things that just don't have a payout. Don't get hung up on them. The piece that you want to be measuring, this is the piece that I think any business owner needs to be focused on. What are the percent or the number of customers and the opportunity that goes along with it that I'm moving close to the stage of being able to close the sale? That's the measurement I want to focus on. We'll say you have a five or six step sales process. I'm not going to worry about leads coming in at the top. What I want to measure is we'll say it's that fifth and sixth step. That's where we close the deal. What's the percent? What's the number? What's the size of the opportunity that you get into that fifth and sixth stage right before the close? And then what's the percent that you close? That's the metric I want to be focusing on. Everything else is just noise. Everything, just total noise. But I'll tell you what, it's that noise that winds up distracting the employee. Mark, that's such great advice. And I have to ask you, in your challenges in building your business, and as a sales expert, as a salesperson, could you share what was your biggest account failure and what did you learn from that? Oh, man. Biggest account failure was just what I described earlier. Early on in my business, I got very fixated on one particular customer that I thought was going to make my business. This is 18 years ago. And what happened was I became very fixated on them, threw off all the other prospecting, focused on them. Now, I got them. But what happened was they became such a difficult customer to manage 
I became so beholden to them that I, I was like stuck. I couldn't get out of the box because I needed their monthly revenue to sustain the business, but they were sucking so much of my time that I didn't have time to develop the business. So this is the big one that I lost, and I'll be free to share this. We chased the shiny object. I had an opportunity. Wow, everybody says, this is seven digits. This is absolutely huge. And before I know it, I jump on an airplane. I go to one city to meet with the people. I go to another city to meet with the people. And I fail to do my due diligence. And what I find out is this company I'm dealing with that I think I'm selling this seven-digit deal to is nothing but a house of cards that collapsed. And it's like, wait, how could I be so stupid? And I freely share that story because it says that I don't care how many years you've been in the business. We all are guilty of at one time or another, and at any time, seeing the shiny object and thinking, it's this is it, this is the biggie. And Mark, in sales and so many attributes in the business, there's some history that revolves around myths, if you will, things that people still gather behind and hold them as true. What are some of the prospecting myths you've seen? Oh, you know, cold calling is dead. Cold calling is dead. Or, you know, social media is the only way to build a customer base. Let's disprove both those. Now, cold calling can be difficult depending on the industry, but I know a lot of industries where it's incredibly effective. I mean, if, if I'm in a short sales cycle selling in an industry where the customer has to buy frequently, I'm going to cold call to no end, believe me. And the other thing is you know, social selling. Well, let me tell you something. I can't eat clicks and likes. I can't eat you know, retweets and friends. It doesn't work. I don't know what bank you guys bank at, but my bank doesn't take that. And I've seen companies do this. They buy into this whole marketing campaign. We're going to do this marketing campaign, and, and it's all going to be based on social. And I love social media. There, there's nothing wrong with it. But it's one of the tools. It's not the tool. If I have a problem with my plumbing and I call a plumber, I don't want the plumber showing up with just a Phillips screwdriver. I want the plumber showing up with a truck with a lot of tools. And see, this is the way sales is. This is the way sales and marketing works. You don't want to have one tool. You want to have a whole truckload of tools. Because at one time or another, you're going to use every tool. I'm going to use social media. I'm going to use cold calling. I'm going to use referrals. I'm going to use every element. Do not allow yourself to become fixated on one thing or the other. I had a lady tell me the other day, she says, Mark, I'm only going to build my business off of referrals. She was starting a company. And it was interesting. What she sold was a seasonal type of business. I said, do you realize how many years it's going to take you to build your business? Because the customer experience is at one year, they may recommend you to somebody else, but they're not going to come back and buy till next year, unless you've got incredible amount of income that you could run this as a hobby. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you name the myth, and I think we could shoot it out of the water. And I guess maybe that's why they're called myths. You know, sometimes people talk about building a business on referrals, and they don't have a process for that. <laughs> they don't. Well, you know, let's jump on that for a second, because referrals are a great way to build a business. I mean, I love referrals. And I'll share with this, and any business owner listening to this needs to jump on this. And I talk about it in the book. Here's what you do. Every February or March, you have your salespeople, or maybe it's you, maybe it's someone in your company, and you call all your customers, all your customers. Hey, we are having a referral month blitz. Yes, I've been asked by my owner to call all our customers and just ask everybody for referrals. And it's amazing. People, oh, sure, I'll be happy to give you one. Sure, I'll help you out. Then what you do is in July or August, you call all your customers and say, we're doing a quality control check. We just want to make sure that we're delivering with you the service that you really want to expect. 
Now, you've got to be prepared. They may give you some negatives that you've got to work on, okay? But they're going to, oh, yeah, that, uh, great. Hey, who are some other people who you think might really benefit from this? Oh, well, let me give, hey, let me tell you about that. Boom, boom. Then you call people back in November, November, December. And you call them back and don't do this unless you genuinely mean it. But you call them back and you say, hey, we're, I'm just calling all of our customers to thank you for a wonderful year. I really can't say it enough. We've had a wonderful year. And then they'll say, oh, well, hey, thank you for calling. And wow, you know what? I haven't had any other suppliers or vendors, people I buy from, call me. That's really neat that you did. And we appreciate it. And then, boom, you can ask them for referrals. I love that strategy. I've put it in place with a lot of companies. And it works. It works well. But also, don't hesitate. You can ask for a referral at any point that you've delivered value. Never forget that. Reciprocity so, is a powerful thing. It is powerful, and it works. And make sure that you give out referrals, too. You know, you don't want to be the giant sucking machine. You're not a vacuum cleaner. I always say, if you want to get referrals, you better be prepared to give even more referrals. Mark, in your book, you really spend a lot of time providing great detail towards developing best-in-class prospecting capabilities. What are some of the most difficult components of prospecting today's sales professionals should be lining a little bit of extra effort to master? Well, tomorrow morning when you get in the shower, take a look at that shampoo bottle. There's a critical word written on that shampoo bottle. Repeat. You know, one of the biggest problems salespeople have is really don't follow through. I talk a lot about don't start what you can't finish. It's not about making 50 calls or sending out this, and, and then you never touch them again. If you can't follow up and follow through, don't start. And what I mean by following up and following through, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, like, whoa, really? Yeah. How many ever times you think you can touch somebody, you can double that. Whoa! But now think about this for a moment, because if you believe in what you sell, in fact, I put this out on LinkedIn the other day just to get kind of a feel. And wow, it was amazing the feedback I got on it. You know, I said, if you really believe in what you sell, if you really believe in how you can help people succeed, whatever it is that you sell, whatever it is, whether it be a product or a service, don't you have an obligation to them to prospect? Sure you do. Because if you don't let them know about you, you're actually hurting them. You're doing them a disservice because you know how much you can help them. And that really is a mental mindset. But I'll tell you what, when you get into that zone, let me tell you something. It is amazing the level of success you will have. It's mind-blowing. The measurement of sales, the way I define sales is the same way I define leadership. It's helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. Really take a step back and think about that. What does that mean? I owe it to people to prospect because I know I can help them. And don't sit there and say, oh, well, gee, what I sell really isn't that neat. It's not about what you sell. It's about how you help people. That's what it's all about. And when I put my focus on that, I'm not selling a product, but I'm helping people. That changes my attitude towards picking up the phone and calling. That changes my attitude about getting out and connecting with people. That changes my attitude about prospecting. That changes my attitude about selling. So I think the challenge then within the small business, you know, begins with keeping that energy and that focus and remembering why you're doing this in the first place. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And yeah. then also and then also conveying that enthusiasm. As you said, you know, you have some folks working for you. And of course we realize this. All of us are trying to build a great culture. All of us want our people to be engaged and we want them to be fairly compensated and feel like there's some meaning to the work they're doing. How do we infuse them with that kind of passion? 
Well, two things. Culture starts at the top. I get called in a company and people say, well, gee, can you train our people? Can't you do this? We got all these problems. And I go, yeah, we got problems. You know what? It starts with you, you at the top. Two things you got to keep in mind. Really, let me share three things. A, culture starts at the top. B, you can't motivate anybody. Nobody can motivate anybody. All you can do is create an environment for people to motivate themselves. That's kind of a liberating feeling, but all I can do is create an environment for people to motivate themselves. Third thing is you have to realize that your most valuable asset that you have as an organization are your people. People are the only sustainable competitive advantage in an organization. You know, I don't know if it was Zig Ziglar who made the comment or Brian Tracy or somebody like that made the comment says, well, I don't want to invest in my people because what happens if I invest in my people and train my people and they leave? And the flip side is, well, what happens if you don't invest and they stay? <laughs> you know, you, you really have to treat people right. Here's the whole thing. It is amazing how passion and commitment come through in everything. You know, you walk into, it can be a restaurant, it can be a daycare center, it can be any, it can be a beauty salon, anything. You know, isn't it amazing how the attitude and the persona of the employees quickly come through? Small manufacturing facility. It's amazing. Any business, advertising agency, marketing firm, whatever, the attitude of the people come through very quickly. And it's a shame because our accounting system doesn't allow us to measure culture. There's no entry for culture. But I'll tell you what, I think culture drives your top line and your bottom line more than people realize. I think it's so true. And obviously, the attitude you bring every day is where it starts. And I'm curious, you know, your thoughts, Mark, if I'm listening to the show today and I want to do a quick audit of maybe where my whole process is around sales and prospecting, and maybe I have a small team, where should I start? And what are some of the key things I should look for? Oh, wow. That's a great question. In fact, you just spurred me an idea. I got to put together some sort of a check sheet on that. But here's what you do. Look at where do my current customers come from? What is the makeup of my current customer? What's the demographic, the psychographic, the geographic, all the elements. But biggest question you have to ask is what's the outcome I'm providing them with? What's the outcome? That's where you start. Then you begin to work your way back and say, okay, now where do I find other prospects that fit that profile? Now, I put a lot of emphasis on the outcome because here's what I found. Many times the outcome that the customer is looking for, they may be completely different from a geographic perspective, completely different from a demographic standpoint, but they're both looking for the same outcome. Focus in on the outcome, come back up, and that's really what I want to focus in on. Don't sit there and play games with sitting there how many leads I have. Now, ultimately, once I got this piece developed in terms of the outcomes, and then understanding what their makeup is. My whole objective is to say, how do I make my selling process be as simple and quick as possible? My objective is I want to bring leads in, turn them into prospects, and turn them into customers as rapidly as possible. So I have to look at what is my entry-level selling piece. That's not a discount. That does not mean it's a discount. But what I want to do is I want to make it so easy for you to do business with. It's one of the reasons I wrote the books I did, High Profit Prospecting. Hey, you can buy that book for like 15 bucks because it's easy. But see, what does that do? Then you put that in enough people's hands and then they say, I want to come back. I want to get more and more and more and more. Make it easy. I was working with a company, and I won't mention the name, very, very sad. But their finance department and their credit team made it so difficult for customers to do business because they had such a lengthy credit approval process to go through. 
that as a result, customers just get turned off. They're going to go somewhere else. Now, I, I realize cash flow is king and cash flow is huge, but this company did not have that problem. They did not have that problem at all. It's like, man, they're like hoarding cash and they're making it harder. Make it easy. Yeah. And this gets back to the point you made earlier about, you know, how many prospects am I moving closer to the sale at the end of that right. pipeline? And so yeah. if they're getting caught up in this credit approval process, you're, you're killing yourselves. So you're oh. taking, you went through all that work to identify who the most likely buyers were and um, bring them into your funnel and, and start to work them down. And then you're killing them at the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the prom date and everybody gets ready and then you don't show up. So to build on that, Mark, I would add that to the what, the prom date? No, okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not going to build on the prom date. But I do like this idea of thinking, you know, to add to that great advice you just gave on where to start with this audit and the kinds of things to focus on. I think also understanding what that customer journey is through the sales process and how easy it is for them to do business with you at each stage can really shed some light on what's happening. Yeah, you know, and that's a key critical piece that we haven't talked about. Let your personality come through. Let your personality come through in the selling process. I don't care whether you're in B2B, B2C, or even B2G. It's still people to people. It's still human beings. Let your personality come through because it's amazing. The more relaxed people are, the more truthful they are. The more you really understand, the more you learn, the more you can really develop. Because you know what I want to do is I want to take every sale it's an old expression I have. The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. Because I've treated you so well that there's another sale coming, either from you or from somebody else. Mark, as you look down the road five or 10 years, where do you see prospecting evolve given all of the wild marketing channels we have with internet and, and onward today? Yeah, you know, people say, oh, it's changing. Yeah, it's going to change with new tools, but it's still going to be the same. It's still going to be people talking to people. There will be more apps and there'll be more online buying and so forth. But you know what? It just means that salespeople will shift to different things. My whole goal as a salesperson, I have to be able to deliver to my customers, to my prospects, information that they can't get online. Now, what does that mean? The salesperson of tomorrow is going to become much more question-driven. In fact, I, I always say that your goal as a salesperson is to be able to ask customers questions that they respond by saying, great question, because it gets them thinking. I remember five or 10 years ago, every salesperson would start off the sales call by giving basically a capabilities presentation. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Well, they don't have to do that more because that's all online. And so we have to move more and more to this questioning process. And what that means is that our whole goal as salespeople is not going to be delivering customers' current needs. It's going to be delivering customers' future needs. That's where the evolution of sales is going. But salespeople will still very much be involved. Mark, we really appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Hey, I'm going to encourage them to pick up the book, High Profit Prospecting, or my website, The Sales Hunter. And yes, that is my real name. That is my real last name, Hunter. Not sales, but my last name is Hunter. I owe it to my dad. So yeah, visit thesaleshunter.com. we got a ton of stuff that people can get. And it's a fantastic book. It's extremely condensed and concise. So we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Great selling. Our guest today has been Mark Hunter. You can learn more about Mark along with links to his new book and more resources in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Additionally, Business Owners Radio and Audible.com have teamed up to offer you a free audiobook download of High Profit Prospecting with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. 
Download High Profit Prospecting from over 180,000 titles for your mobile device. Just go to the show notes at businessownersradio.com and click on the Audible 30-Day Free Trial logo. This episode has been sponsored by Align for Business. That's Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.